What's up, Coastal? How you guys doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to church. And for all those online that are worshiping with us, man, we're so glad to have you joining us. My name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. Some of you guys have never seen me before over like the last eight weeks. I have not talked. So I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Are you guys excited to listen? That, that doesn't sound very excited. So I've got extra time today because we got a lot of space in between services. So this can be a really long service or it can be a really short service. It's based on your feedback to me. Okay? You guys know what feedback is. That's your response. You guys are not very good at this already. I can already see. I can see we got some struggles here. But uh, I, I'm excited to be back with you guys. I'm excited for church live and in person. I don't know about you, but we are in some crazy times in life. Can anybody testify that it's crazy right now? Anybody experience some crazy in life? Some of y'all are sitting next to crazy right now. Come on, nudge that person that's crazy. Actually, don't do that. I don't want to start a fight in church. But we are experiencing some crazy seasons, some crazy, crazy times right now. I don't know if you realize this, but the last time we were able to gather together was actually the middle of March. Literally, this weekend is six months since we have had the opportunity to gather together physically as a church in person to worship together, to be able to celebrate and uh, elevate our God and how great he is and how much he means to us and this community that we have. I mean, in this season, we've, we've missed some pretty big dates like this whole thing called Easter which this year was kind of weird. Can everybody testify? Easter was weird this year. Sitting at home on Easter Sunday, in your pajamas, eating Cheetos and watching church is just not a good combination. That's what I did this Easter. I don't know about you, uh, but it, it, it just didn't feel right. We missed out on the biggest gospel presentation there, there was, and, and, and it just was an odd, odd time. And while we haven't been able to physically meet, and that's been odd, I want you to know that we are still have been being the church because in this season, and I just want to share with you, because of your generosity, because of the things that you've been doing, do you know that we've been able to give away over $140,000 to various local, national, and international missions agencies? We've been feeding tens of thousands of people. We've been bringing the gospel to kids all over the world through an organization called One Hope because of your generosity. This weekend, we're helping to plant 32 churches all throughout the United States, all because of your generosity. So while we might not have physically been open, we have never shut down. We have always been making a difference, whether it's feeding people here locally, supporting foster kids in this season, which is one of the most vulnerable groups that's out there right now, to coming against sex trafficking, which is huge right now in our country that's getting no publicity. Man, we are making a difference because we believe the church has never shut down and the church is still making a difference. And I want you to know that your church is making a difference and it's making an impact. And listen, we're going to continue to make an impact. And all those that are watching online, we're going to continue to make an impact even through the middle of a pandemic. And there's a lot of reasons we're 
in a season of a pandemic. It could be because of the COVID issue caused a pandemic. It could be because of the race issues that have caused a pandemic. It could be because of the political unrest that's happening right now in our society. It could be causing an internal pandemic within you. There is so much divide right now in our nation. But here's what I know. The reason the church is so critical and so important is because the one time that we put aside our differences, we put aside our political parties, we put aside our race to worship the one thing that matters, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And our race doesn't matter. Our political divide doesn't matter. Whether we think anything matters, all that matters is Jesus. And it's time we got back onto focusing on what matters most, and that's elevating the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And listen, we've been, we've been shut down from doing this. Do you know that in California you're not allowed to sing right now? Do you know that in Vegas you can go do and play craps and, and go to do slot machines, but you cannot gather to have church? Do you know that in Broward County you're not allowed to gather 10 or more people right now? It's time for the church to stand up and say, no, 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 no. We are called to worship together. There's something about coming in the presence of God together as a community that changes things. There's something about us bringing my faith and your faith together that one plus one does not equal two in the kingdom of God. It says one can put a thousand a flight, two can put 10,000 a flight. There is a multiplication that happens when we gather together to worship the Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And man, there is going to be nothing that's going to hold us back, church, from doing that. We're going to be a people that is going to step up and step out and go, you know what? We are not going to deny our faith. In this season, we're going to actually step up into our faith and make a difference. And I don't know about you, but there has been so many times in this season, I've just wanted to return to normal. Anybody ever, anybody ever felt like that in this season? Like normal right now, not wearing a mask over your face? Normal, like actually having football with fans in the stands, normal. Some, some people are like, yes. Uh, you know, actually having kids in school, seeing their classmates, normal. I've just wanted some sense of normalcy over the last six months. Could anybody, anybody with me on that? Raise your hand if you want some sense of normalcy. I think all of us have been longing for some sense of normalcy. But as I've been thinking about this over the last six months, but what if what we called normal was not actually normal? What if all those things that we thought were normal weren't actually all that great? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you've ever been in a relationship and in that relationship, all of your friends and family members could look in and go, man, that relationship is so dysfunctional. Like, that relationship is so unhealthy. You don't understand how they're changing you and what it's doing to you and the impact that it's having on you. But because you were in the middle of that relationship and it was normal to you, it's all that you could see. You had googly eyes for that person. You had that lust or infatuation with them. You could not see the dysfunction that was there until you eventually broke up and broke out of that relationship. And as you look back on the relationship, you're like, man, that was such an abusive relationship. Man, that was so unhealthy. That was so, like, they made me into a person that I never meant to be. And it's not until you get out of it that you start to realize how dysfunctional it was. 
Or maybe some of you in this season, as we, as, we, as we have social distance and a lot of people have not gone to the office, maybe you've realized at your workplace how dysfunctional that workplace was. Like, you didn't realize how negative your coworkers were that all day long, all they did was bicker and complain. And what it rubbed off on you was that all you did at home was bicker and complain. In the moment you got out of that environment, you started realizing the impact that those people were having on you. But because you were in the middle of it, you just thought that was normal. But as soon as you got out of it, you realize that was dysfunctional. And I think for a lot of us in life, what has happened is, is a dysfunction has become very normal to us, and a lot of us are longing for a normal circumstance that maybe, just maybe, God would actually call dysfunctional. What if we have actually made normal in life an idol in life? What if what we long to return to was actually something God was trying to get us out of so we could see things differently and actually go to the place that he actually intended for our lives? And so many of us, what we're doing is we're longing for the old, better days. For some reason, whenever we think of the past, we forget all the negative and remember all the positive. Have you ever noticed that? You think back to a super dysfunctional relationship. All you remember is the good times, not the bad times. And you're like, oh, that was so great. You see them on Facebook. I remember the time. You start singing the Michael Jackson, remember the time. You know, doing all that dancey, fancy footwork stuff. You just remember all the positive when the reality is, is there's a ton of dysfunction in the middle of it. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon, who is the wisest man ever out there, said, why were the day, old days better than these? In fact, he says, don't say why were the old days better than these. For it's not wise to ask such questions. Why? Because we have a perverted or skewed view of the past when in reality God has got something so much better for us in the present. And the Israelites in the Old Testament when they were in the midst of slavery in Egypt, are one of the greatest examples of this on the planet ever, all time. They started off in a really good place. They had a guy uh, that, that named Joseph that rose into power and eventually helped them spread and multiply and become great. And then leadership changed, and all of a sudden they became enslaved to the Egyptians. They became uh, these, these slaves that were building the pyramids that they recommend, that they believe today happened because of the slave labor of the Israelites. And because they were enslaved, they were actually enslaved for 400 years in Israel. And they got so used to being enslaved that they thought that, that was just how life was. That's how life was supposed to be. And all of a sudden, God sends a man named Moses to be the deliverer of people. And the name Moses actually means to draw out. And the reason he was named Moses is because he was put in a basket in a river and they drew him out of the river. And God actually put that name on him because God wanted to use Moses to draw his people out of slavery into the promised land that he had for each and every one of them. And it got me thinking about this season of COVID-19. In fact, I actually think we need to rename COVID Moses because because it's drawn us out of some things in life. And so from here on out, when people refer to, to COVID, you just go, oh, Moses, I know what you're talking about. 
Because I believe that God is trying to draw us out of our Egypt that we have created in life, our sense of normalcy. And so many times, the moment we get drawn out of a sense of normalcy, what happens to us? All of a sudden, our confidence gets shaken. All of a sudden, we start to get weary and we get, to, and we get depressed because all of a sudden, our comfort in life, because that's what normal is, right? It's comfort level. Come on, y'all aren't responding very well with me right now. I know you're wearing a mask and it's uncomfortable, but I don't care. You can talk back. It's okay. I can hear you. Right? Our normal is comfortable. That's why we like it. It's why we go after it. It's why we long for it because that became our place of comfort in life. That's why Hebrews tells us to to not throw away our confidence, our confident trust in God. Because our confidence in God has a great reward. Because you're going to need some endurance in life so that when you have actually done God's will, which God, I believe, is trying to draw us out into something better, we'll receive what he's promised to us. And what God has is something that is so much better than what we're currently experiencing in life. And God is trying to draw us out into something better, Church. And in just a few months after God began to draw the Israelites out of Egypt, all of a sudden they wanted to go back to Egypt. Just like a week into COVID, I was like, uh oh, let's go back. Come on, how many of y'all have been like, let's go back? Like week two, month two, six months, like let's go back. Like I'm ready to go back. Can I, can I just not wear a mask? The best thing about preaching today is I don't have to wear a mask. But what you discover in the story of the Israelites as they're making a trek to this promised land is there were some ideals or some attributes that were actually hindering them from experiencing all the promises that God had for them. And I think there's some things that are hindering us today, and I'm very, very aware that that these are problems that I have. And so I figured if they're my problems, they're probably your problems as well. And they were their problems, so I'm just going to give them to you if that's okay. And uh, the first one is this, is they had the complaining mouth syndrome. Anybody ever experienced somebody with the complaining mouth syndrome? Anybody live with somebody with a complaining? No, don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's messed up. If they're not sitting with you, that's okay. Then do go for it. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the people complained about their hardships. That word hardship means lack of comfort. Anybody complained about their lack of comfort in this season? I know Shayla has. She's being honest today. She, last night she wasn't honest. I called her out. Uh, no, she was. It says, about their hardships in hearing of the Lord. And when they heard, when he heard them, his anger was aroused. It says, then the fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. That's an important phrase right there. That, that as the, the complaining was happening, God started burning some stuff up. It says, when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tibera because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave. In other words, here they go complaining again for other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. So they're not just complaining. Now they're like wailing on, on Moses and God. They're like going after it. Like, why, why, why? They're doing all that. They said, if we had only had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. The reason it was no cost is because they were slaves. And then they go on and 
Apparently they like vegetables and because there was cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. It says, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Which is interesting because here they are traveling on what should be like a 30 to 45 day journey. And God is supernaturally supplying food from heaven to them. And it says, as they start complaining, what does God start to do? He starts to burn the outskirts of the camp. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, what you're not realizing in this season is that there are some things in life that need to be burned up and consumed by my fire. There are some things in your life that are hindering you from moving forward that actually need to be consumed in your life so they no longer are so prevalent inside of you. They're the things that keep you from being fully devoted to me. You're longing for something else instead of realizing all that I have for you. And the thing that we need to do in this season is we need to quit complaining on what we've lost and all of a sudden start to realize what God has already provided. So many of us are, we're focusing on what's lost instead of seeing all the benefits that God has provided in our lives and what he is doing in this season. Literally, the manna came down from heaven and God rained it down every single day. Bread from heaven for 40 years. Which is interesting because it correlates today. Because Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You know why he said the bread of life? Because he said every day you have the opportunity to experience something that will nourish your soul that will never run dry. Every day you can have something fresh from me that I want to deposit in your life. They, they totally didn't realize that in Deuteronomy 29, for 40 years their shoes did not wear out. I could take some of that. That would save me some money if Shayla's shoes would not wear out. Come on, husbands. You're like, can I get that blessing right now? They had a cloud by day and fire by night lead them so they knew exactly where to go. I could use some direction like that. But instead of being thankful for what God did provide, they complained. The manna literally means, what is this? Like, what is this? <laughs> and because of their complaining... They didn't end up experiencing the promised land. They actually missed out on something greater because of what was going on in their hearts. And it got me thinking, what, what if this time in our desert is not really dependent on God, but on our ability to quit complaining and start being thankful for all that God has done in our life. I know that's not a popular message today because we like complaining. In fact, we like going public with our complaining. We like posting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We like complaining against every single person we can. We feel like our voice needs to be heard. You know what our voice needs to do? We need to be thankful. And here's the thing, I'm not really sure what God is up to in all this. If you were to ask me, I don't have a clue. But the thing that I do know is I don't want to let my complaining keep me from experiencing all that God has for my life. And I don't know about you, church, but I hope that you don't want to allow your complaining to keep you from experiencing the promised land that God has in store for your future because you get so consumed with today.
The second thing I, I see is not just the complaining mouth, but it's they had this longing soul. They had this soul that was longing for something different. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 4, it says, When Moses didn't come back down from the mountain right away, Moses, what it had happened is he goes up to the mountain of God to encounter God. He's actually getting the Ten Commandments right here in this passage. It says, The people went to Aaron and they said, Look. Make us a God to lead us for this fellow Moses who brought us here from Egypt has disappeared. Something must have happened to them. Now, check this out. I, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I think to myself, how stupid are these people? Has anybody ever contemplated, like, read stuff and go, like, are these people just plumb dumb? I mean, what is the deal with them? They just had this guy lead them out of Egypt, destroy the Egyptians. God is raining down manna from heaven. They've got all this plunder, all this gold. He goes away up on the top of the mountain. You can see all kinds of things happening on the mountain. And they're like, oh, man, he's abandoned us. <laughs> like, let's find a different God. We think that's funny, but how many times do we do that? We think, like, I would never do that. Oh, yeah? This is what Aaron replied. He said, give me your gold earrings. So they all did, men, women, boys, and girls. Aaron melted the gold and then molded and tooled it into the form of a calf. The people exclaimed, oh, Israel, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. They literally made a bull out of gold, and they said, this is our new God. When I, I, that, does anybody else think that that's just plain ridiculous? Like, I would never worship a bull made out of gold. Would never do that. Yeah, but you sure do love that car. Man, that house, woof, consumes all your time. Literally, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get a word from God. He has gone 40 days and 40 nights. The, the number 40 literally means a testing. He's basically testing. God is testing them right there. And the, and, and the people in the middle of the test, they go, man, I'm, I'm not going to pass this test. I'm going to go find another God. This is taking too long. Has anybody else thought this is taking too long? And so instead of continuing to keep our focus and our trust on God, what we do is this is taking too long. I'm going to go replace it with something that is more familiar and normal to me. And so what did they do? They took the gold that came from Egypt. It was actually from their earrings. And if you study this, the only time a person would have earrings is as if they had a nose ring or an earring, which meant that they were actually a bond servant. They were a slave to somebody else. Now, they were no longer slaves, but yet they took the things that signified their slavery, the things that were significant to them, that were their identity, and they said, hey, our identity is the thing we still worship. The price of their freedom was paid for, but yet they were still living as slaves to the things of Egypt. And I would submit to you that who the sun sets free is free indeed, but so many of us are still slaves to the things of our Egypt, our past, that still are ruling and reigning 
It's time for some of us to begin to lay down those things and turn our full attention and our full hearts to God. It's time for so many of us to quit looking to a man or to a woman or to success or to our career or to the government or to a movement for the longing of our soul that only God can provide. So many of us, we have a God-shaped hole in our life that can only be filled by God, but we're trying to push a car into it or that man into it or that career into it or those children into it and going, this is going to give me significance in life. And while it may fill a portion of that void, it never completely seals it up. And therefore, you're always longing for more. Because as soon as you get that, what do you want? You just want more. Man, I got the car of my dreams. Now I've got a new dream. I've got the spouse of my dreams. All of a sudden, you're longing for that old thing. That's why Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And in uh, Psalms 107, it says, for he satisfies the longing of our soul, our hungry soul. He fills with good things. And it says, in, 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 in his presence is the fullness of joy in our lives. At his right hand are our pleasures forevermore. In Psalm 16, it only took them days to get out of Egypt, but it took them 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Now, I don't know if you, you know this or not, but I have a southern accent. Has anybody re- realized that, that I have a southern accent in life? It's, it's fading a little bit, but I am originally from Chicago, Illinois. I'm, I'm a Midwest, Chi-Town guy. I sound, but I sound like a country bumpkin, right? I sound like I'm from South Carolina, Tennessee. We don't really know where it came from. We actually have figured out that I spent a year in Oklahoma, and I spent a year in Texas. And those years in Oklahoma and Texas somehow produced Tennessee, South Carolina. We don't understand it. My parents can't figure it out. My wife doesn't understand it. Nobody in the world has been able to figure this out. We know God will figure it out one day. But it was funny because a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a guy. He's like, hey, I was listening to some of your old messages and I couldn't understand you. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, your southern accent was coming through so strong, but you're doing so much better today. I was like, dude, I'm from Chicago. I only spent two years in those places, but I've been spending 20 years trying to get them out of me. And so many of us, we've spent our whole life in the world. And it's hard to get it out of us, isn't it? It's hard to have that process get out of us. And it's so easy to fall back into old habits and old ways and old methodology in life. I know during this COVID season, Shayla and I decided, man, we're going to start eating clean, and we're going to eat well, and we're going to get healthy again. And, and we were doing great while restaurants were closed, man. We were killing it. We were cooking at home. We were kind of forced to do that, but it's, so that's, a, that's outside of the, the realm. But we were doing so good. And then, then one day, we, we, went to, we went to the holy place on earth, Chick-fil-A, for some Christian chicken. You know, it's holy and healthy. At least that's what we tell ourselves. And uh, we, we went there, and all of a sudden, you know what we were doing? We were eating out at all these bad restaurants all over again. Like one, one decision, all of a sudden, man, it just had a ripple effect. Why? Because it's so easy to fall into old patterns and old ways and old methodology and old ways of life. And so many times what we're doing is we're looking to earthly things to satisfy this spiritual longing within every single one of our 
our hearts. And what's interesting about all of this is that what was the entire reason that they were trying to leave Egypt? If you were to go back to, to Exodus chapter 10, verse 3, the whole reason Moses and Aaron were trying to get them to lead Egypt is it says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says. How long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. The whole reason God was getting them out of their normalcy was so they could worship God. The word go means to loose yourself from something and move to another location. And some of us here, what we need to do is we need to loose ourselves from some things in life that are hindering us, whether it's a complaining mouth or a, a longing soul, so that we can begin to fully worship God, so that we can let loose and let God rule and reign in our lives. In fact, in John chapter 4, it says, but the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not just with our heads, but with our hearts. With not just with a part of our being, but with the essence of everything that we are, that we will truly submit ourselves to God and say, God, no matter what's going on in life, I'm going to follow and I'm going to worship you. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And what God is really looking for, and I believe that this is a word for our church, is he's looking for the worshiping hearts. He's looking for the heart that is fully devoted to him. He's looking for the heart that, that looks around and recognizes what he has done in their lives in spite of what's happening around them and goes, you know what? In spite of my circumstances, I'm going to choose to worship. In spite of what's happening around me, my circumstances do not dictate the posture of my heart and my mind because I make a choice not only in my head but in my spirit to say that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And I'm going to give my everything to him. And in Exodus chapter 14, it says, when God saved them, the children of Israel, they started to sing a song. They started to magnify and glorify God. And some of us, may, we may find ourselves in a place where we are exiting our Egypt. And it's time for us, some of us to go, you know what? God, I know I'm not fully out of Egypt yet, but I'm fully submitted to you. Some of us, we may still be stuck in our Egypt like we have not been delivered yet, but yet we can still say, you know what, today I'm going to choose not only in my head but in my heart that I'm going to worship God fully and completely. And, and perhaps what God will do is all of a sudden he'll start to destroy the old. What's interesting is, is as they're exiting Egypt, they get three days out and they get to this place where they're at the Red Sea, is at their backs, and all around them are surrounding mountains, and the Egyptians come after them. Have you ever noticed that when you try to leave something in life, it always runs after you? You try to get rid of that alcohol addiction, all of a sudden alcohol shows up everywhere. You try to leave some sort of pattern of life, like you go, you know what, I'm going to be healthy and work out, and everywhere you go, there's a sign for Cheesecake Factory. Like the devil just be so busy. You know what I'm saying? Like that dude, that dude knows exactly what to do. 
But in the midst of the pursuit of the enemy, you know what happens? God crushes the enemy. In their attempt to go and worship, God comes in and shows up and shows off. And so many times we come up with excuses, well, I just can't. I know you can't, but God can. But what he's asking you to do is start taking some steps. He's not asking you to have the gifts or the abilities or all of those things because in and of ourselves, we don't, but he does. And he's saying, hey, will you choose in your mind and in your heart to follow me fully and completely? I know what your past has said. I know what people have said. I know what your life has looked like, but I know what could be and should be for you. And don't settle for normalcy, which is really dysfunction, when I've got a very functional, prosperous, unbelievable, life-giving, life-altering, changing life ahead of you. And here's what I know is in this season, in in being your pastor and, and in this moment, being your Moses, there are some things that I believe have hindered a lot of Christ followers in this season. One of those is, is corporate worship. I mean, there really is something powerful about coming together and worshiping together. Because here's what I know is you may come in here with a, not a whole lot in your tank, but you know what? The person next to you, when you combine your faith with their faith, changes things. When you combine their hope with your hope, changes things. When you combine your presence with God's presence, it changes things. I think one of the things that's been missing in this season is, is, is corporate prayer. We come together and you pray for one another. I know it's great that you pray by yourself and by your, and all by yourself. You can pray up a storm, but it says, but where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is also. That's referring to Jesus. And if you ask anything according to his will, it shall be granted. Something about coming together and praying together, it, it changes things. And you can't do that. Or you haven't been able to do that up until this point. And there's some things that need to change. Community, man, one of the biggest hindrances right now in the nation is there are more drug abuse happening. There's more abuse that's taking place. Alcohol sales are through the roof right now. Why? People are isolated, which is the greatest thing the enemy can do is he can get you off by yourself and isolate you because he's got you. And what we need more now than any other season of life is we need community. It's one of the reasons why we're launching our connect groups right now. If you're not in a group, get in a group. If you're watching online, get in a group. Don't make the mistake of thinking, I've got this on my own. No, you don't. Like that is a, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you've ever worked out in life, if you work out by yourself, it's way harder than if you have a workout partner. You got a workout partner, what happens? You show up every week. Why? Because you don't want to not be there and them show up because then they're going to dog you for the rest of the time and call you a loser and a sucker. <laughs> not with that, but you got to beat them. That's, that's the important part, right? But we need that, that, that community, those people that, as the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need those people that are sharpening us and keeping us close and keeping us accountable and encouraging us and building us up. We need those things in our lives. 
We need to make some decisions that, man, we're going to follow God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we need to gather together and we need to do community together. And we need to pray for one another. And we need to stand together and see God move in some incredible ways. You know how this is going to change? It's going to change by the church coming together and the people of God coming together and praying and changing the atmosphere on this earth. I know I'm getting spiritual, but this, this is not a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. And God changes things spiritually before he changes things physically. And we got to get spiritually fit so that we can see God rule and reign in the way that he wants to rule and reign in our lives. And the whole thing about this whole story is this whole story is a foreshadowing of what God is going to do in the, the future through his son Jesus. He says, man, you're going to be stuck in slavery and we're all enslaved to some different things. Could be media could be pornography, it could be some addiction, it could be some habits. We all have things that have become our little G-gods in life. And he says, hey, I'm going to send a deliverer just like I sent Moses to the children of Israel. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be my son. And he's going to come and he's going to take the sins of the world. That's all of your mistakes, your mess-ups, your screw-ups, your faults. And he's going to crush those things by his blood on the cross of Calvary so that you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. It's called the promised land. It's a relationship with the creator of the universe. Maybe there's some of you here today that have never experienced that life, that have never experienced that relationship. I want you to know that you can experience that right here, right now. You don't have to wait another day or another time or another hour, but you can experience all that God has for you in this place. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you've recognized that, man, there are some other things that have been ruling and reigning in my life. There are some, there are some other G, little G gods that have taken the place of the ultimate God. And I need to submit my life to Jesus. I need to give that to him and allow God to come in and, and rule and reign. I don't want to have a, a, a heart that is longing for other things. I don't want to have a complaining mouth. I want to have a worshiping heart. And that begins with a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just slip your hand up on the count of three, I would love to pray for you. And if you're online, you can just put your hand emoji up. We would love to pray for you as well on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, sir. I see you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Thank you. If you just pray this in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, Jesus, thank you so much for coming to save me. Thank you so much for coming and dying on the cross so that I could experience life and life more abundantly. Come, forgive my sins. Heal my heart. Change me from the inside out. God, I want to leave the things of Egypt to walk into the promises that you have for me. Create in me a new heart. Wash me clean. Thank you for loving me unconditionally right where I am. Thank you for coming and changing me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.